stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick. And this week, I'm going solo again to discuss stock investing strategies. Should you buy the individual stocks like Amazon or Facebook, or should you just buy the indexes like the S&P 500 or the Dow Industrial Average? The first weekend of May, Berkshire Hathaway held its annual meeting, and this year they were in Omaha, of course, but they had to do it via the internet due to the coronavirus. And Warren Buffett actually talked for about four hours. Even I was exhausted. I don't know how he kept going, but clearly he did. And during those four hours, he gave a history of the U.S. and its other challenges it's faced in its past, um, that this coronavirus crisis is not the first challenge. And then he took some questions. And one comment that he made during the four hours that didn't make much headlines this time because he's talked about it in the past, but I was reminded when he brought it up again that it is an important topic. So the advice he was giving, again, isn't new, but it's good for us to uh, examine it again. And it was basically that most people can't beat the indexes with their stock picking. You know, we all think we can, but we really can't. And he even uh, said most pros can't do it either. You know, a lot of professional investors can do it for a number of years, but then it breaks down. So even they can't really do it. So he thinks most people should just buy one of the index funds like the S&P 500 index and basically be done with it. And I know, I know what you're thinking. That's so boring, right? That this advice, whenever I I hear it or people talk about it, it usually usually elicits scorn and outrage from many of us because we like to buy the individual stocks, right? We think we can pick well, and we're always looking for that lottery stock, that big winner that's going to make us rich, right? And the indexes, over time can really increase your net worth, but they're really never going to be lottery stocks unless there's some kind of bubble action taking place like there was in 1998-99 kind of thing where the Nasdaq uh, you know, was up about 100% on the year or something like that. But that's like an anomaly. Otherwise, it's just kind of slow gains over the course of a couple decades But that strategy can obviously work to grow your wealth. And he's not wrong when he talks about the performance, both of us regular investors and the pros. Think about how uh, what's in your work 401k and how that works. Usually it's pretty much limited to mutual funds and ETFs. And many of you probably have an S&P 500 fund in there and you're already putting money in year after year after year. Now, how has that done versus your actual side stock picking account over, say, the last 10 years? I'm sure many of you are going to tweet at me about your you know, big winner stocks like Edwards Life Sciences, Chipotle, or Netflix over that time period. Netflix was the number one uh, stock over the 
that 2010 to 2000 or the 2009 to 2019 time period. So I'm sure some of you were in it and captured a lot of those gains and you're going to be like, oh, I've been killing my 401k in my stock picking account on the side. But the vast majority of us do not. That's why uh, Buffett calls it luck that you get into just happen to be in the right stock at the right time and get some huge gains. And that's why he emphasized again at the annual meeting that he has not changed his will or the assets going to his wife on his death. 95% of that will simply be invested in index funds for her use, basically. Keeping it simple and, uh, you know, that's since most people cannot beat the S&P 500 on a yearly basis, why not just be in it, right? But I was thinking it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other in your own accounts, right? And I've said this before, but investing really doesn't have any rules. So you can kind of do your own thing and make it up as you go along. So Buffett is going to make sure most of it is in index funds for his wife but you can do some other kind of allocation, right? You can still get the diversity of investing in the index funds, which hold big baskets of stocks and are usually less volatile. And you can still have some fun trying your luck in the stock casino, as I like to call it, trying to find, uh, win that lottery and get that one or maybe two big winners trying to find the next Chipotle or uh, Netflix or Amazon, right? But what indexes should you consider buying? Because there's a lot of them that are kind of out there, these uh, more niche types of ETFs. Buffett always mentions the S&P 500 because that gives you the largest U.S. companies. And a lot of those have international exposure as well. So you're getting a kind of a good mix of both domestic and international businesses if you own the S&P 500. So I've talked about uh, what is one of the cheapest S&P 500 ETFs, which is Vanguard's S&P 500 ETF. The ticker there is V as in Victor OO, and it has an expense ratio of just 0.03%. So almost free, but not quite. And this is a weighted ETF. So it's market cap weighted towards the largest companies are the biggest holdings. So the biggest holding in this ETF is currently Microsoft, which is 5.6% of the ETF. Apple is 4.9. Amazon is 3.8. Facebook is at 1.86. Alphabet is split up in between both its Class A and Class C shares, which are 1.6 and 1.86. So it, it actually does spring above a few of these other companies when you add them together. Berkshire itself is actually in the top 10 here at 1.6. Then you have Johnson & Johnson at 1.6, Visa at 1.28, and Procter & Gamble at 1.27. So it's going to be, if it's cap-weighted, dominated by the big techs, of course, and then you have a few outside that, so it's not totally big, big tech in the top 10. But then obviously you're owning all of the S&P 500 in this fund. This one is not cheap. I own it in my own personal portfolio. 
and it's right now at $265 a share. So it is hard to accumulate shares in this one, I feel, because obviously just to get, you know, five shares, you're putting in over $1,000 right there. Does pay a dividend, currently yielding 2.3%. But what about if you want to have even more exposure to the tech area and you want to just buy the NASDAQ? Now, there's 2,500 companies in the NASDAQ. They're not all tech because there are companies like Starbucks and Etsy in the NASDAQ. Um, but the easiest way to get exposure to the NASDAQ is through the tracking of the NASDAQ 100 and the old classic. It's been around since March 1999 during the dot-com boom this ETF launched, and it's the Invesco QQQ, as everybody knows it, ticker is QQQ. This has a higher expense ratio because it's got a little bit more management involved and it's at 0.2%. So remember Vanguard's S&P 500 is 0.03. This is just 0.2 and it might not seem like much, but those expense ratios can really add up. So keep that in mind. Now, this one is also cap weighted. So large caps prevail here as well. And if Microsoft is the largest holding in the S&P 500 because it's cap weighted, it's going to be here as well. So Microsoft, 11.8% of this ETF. So know what you own when you're buying this. You're, you're going to own these big uh, tech companies in a big amount here. So Apple's also 11.4. Amazon's at 10.3. Alphabet Class C and A shares is at 7.8. And then you have Facebook at 3.9, Intel at 3, PepsiCo, first non-techie name on here is at 2.2. Then you have Netflix at 2.2, and Cisco rounds out the top 10 at 2%. So you're not getting much diversity in the top 10, which is a considerable chunk of this ETF. Um, let's see, well over 40% of the ETF is just in these top 10 uh, companies. And so you're really, you're really, really concentrated in this one. But this is also why it's been soaring, right? Because those big tech names are, again, breaking out to new highs. This one pays a dividend too. It's a lot lower, just 0.85%. So you're not really buying it for the dividend. You are mainly buying it for the tech exposure, but know that you are going to be heavily weighted in the big cap names. So let's switch over to what if you wanted to just buy the Dow Jones? There is an ETF for that one too, the Spider Dow Jones Industrial ETF. DIA is the ticker there. It owns 30 blue chippers. That's what you're getting. It is actually price weighted, not cap weighted. So this is makes it very different than the others because it's just going by what the share price is. So for several years, Boeing was actually the largest component, which is why when Boeing sold off, the uh, Dow got hammered so hard because it was the biggest percentage component. It has fallen from its its reign here. There's a new winner, and I was actually kind of surprised. I thought the new winner would be the runner-up to Boeing because it's uh, been soaring too over the last couple of years. 
That runner-up is United Health Group, ticker UNH, if you're uh, not familiar. And it still remains number two at 8.3%. It's trading at $295 or about around $300 there. But Apple is now the new winner in the index in the Dow. Largest component at 8.47%. So, um, a, you know, pretty decent size in, in the overall uh, index here. And it's now trading right around $300 as well. So just a little bit higher than United Health Group, which is why it's got the number one uh, spot. Number three, I was kind of surprised at what that is now. Home Depot surging back up there, trading around $230. It's now 6.4% of the Dow. And McDonald's, 5.25. Microsoft finally comes in on the list, but at fifth at 5.16 because its share price isn't yet over $200. So that's all that this is looking at is the share price. Then you got Visa at 5%, 5.09, Goldman Sachs at 5.08, 3M at 4.29, Johnson & Johnson at 4.28. And then you finally have Boeing. It's fallen all the way down to around $130 at 3.8% now of this ETF. Now, who's at the bottom? That's always interesting, right? In this case, it's Dow, the old Dow chemical, just ticker Dow, and it is less than 1% of the entire um, Dow Jones now is this component, just 0.95% because it's only trading at its price of $33. So that is the, the cheapest by price on the Dow 30 now. And so it's it's at the bottom. So keep in mind when you are thinking about um, cap weighted, price weighted, that you are going to get these kind of different outcomes. Um, oh, let me give the expense ratio before I forget on the Dow ETF, DIA. That is at 0.16, so it's a little bit less than the QQQ, which is 0.2, and that one's been around since 1998 as well during the dot-com boom, so that was a popular one back in the day as well. Dividend is yielding 2.3% with that uh, index. So, so, okay, so back to what you're getting here, you... As you can see, you're, you might not be very diverse by some of these, even though the whole point of buying the indexes was to be diverse. But you're not, if you're buying the NASDAQ um, through the QQQs, you're not. So there are some equal weighted indexes out there where all the components are an equal weight. So your Amazon will be the equal as JP Morgan or Exxon in the index. So the S&P 500 has a couple of them. One of the popular ones is Invesco S&P 500 Equal Weight ETF, ticker R as in Robert, S as in Sam, P as in Paul. It has expenses of 0.2%, same as the triple Qs. So it looks like they keep those expense ratios about the same. It's yielding 2.6% with this kind of weighting. So that's a little higher than the um, cap-weighted ETF. And this one, though, because everything is equal in it, 
it means that you're not going to get the benefit of, say, Microsoft hitting new highs in the same way because it's just going to be spread out equally. So year to date, the RSP ETF is actually down 18.6%. And that compares to the S&P 500 market cap weight down just 12. So that's pretty significant difference there, right? And you can really tell what happens when those big mega trillion dollar companies are on the move higher. You are going to get a better performance. So keep that in mind. You also um, won't get hurt as bad uh, if something were to happen with those big (laughs) trillion dollar companies uh, that wasn't good. You will spread out your risk with the equal weight much more than with the cap weight. So keep that in mind. And with the cap weighted, you're not going to get as much exposure to the bank's energy, some of that, because uh, those stocks have sold off and their market caps are a lot lower right here. So nothing wrong with adding a general index to your outlook. Um, I know a lot of people are probably wondering, hey, why isn't she talking about the most popular S&P 500 ETF, the Spider. It's been around forever, ticker SPY. That is an option, but the expense ratios are a little bit higher on this one at 0.09%. And um, because of that, if you're going to buy and hold it for long periods of time, you got to go with the one with the lower expense ratios because that saves you money. So that's why a lot of people... When they're in the SPY, they use it just for trading purposes um, because it's the most heavily traded and has the highest volume of the ETFs that are the indexes. So a lot of people like it for the trading and not for the long-term hold anymore because now we have some of these other options. Now, you can also get S&P 500 uh, indexes in funds, mutual funds, with very low expense ratios. A lot of the companies have rolled those out now to compete with Vanguard. And you can get them through like Schwab and Fidelity now too, through your, if those are your brokers, you can go in and get a very low, slightly lower than what the Vanguard is. It's like 0.02% on some of those. And I know some people are rotating money over to there. But if you're just looking for the basic, pretty cheap, ETF, the Vanguard VOO for the S&P 500 is uh, pretty prominent. Um, That's the one that I own in my own personal portfolio. But a lot of these, they all do the same thing. It's just about the expense ratios. And if you're getting the equal weight or the cap weighted and what kind of uh, direction you want to go in terms of that. But remember that you are going to get... Uh, a lot more exposure to the big cap techs through a lot of these. And um, that's something to keep in mind. Obviously, maybe uh, Buffett didn't say if any of these indexes, if he's going to put it, you know, have her put it into equal weight or what it's going to be. But this is a way to, uh, you know, kind of make investing easier and take the guessing or the luck component out of it because sometimes we're lucky and sometimes we're not. But remember, you don't have to go all in one way or the other in your own personal trading accounts. 
you can do a combination. That's what I do. I own some of the indexes and then I do uh, mess around in the stock casino and, you know, try my luck to see if I can get one of those lottery stocks or just because I like to own some companies that I like their businesses and I want to be a shareholder of it. So keep that in mind. There's a lot of different investing strategies. Again, there's no rules to investing. So you have a lot of options. And let's recap those tickers again, in case you want to go check out some of these ETFs. We had the S&P 500 from Vanguard, which is VOO. There was the Invesco QQQ, which is QQQ. The Dow Jones ETF from Spider is DIA. And then we had the Equal Weight ETF from Invesco, RSP is the ticker there. And then the Spiders are out there um, for the S&P 500 if you're trading it like on a daily basis. Um, but the expense ratio is higher, so you can buy one of the cheaper ones now, but that ticker is SPY. And as always, I aim to bring you stocks every week so you don't want to miss a single episode here at the Market Edge. We're bringing it for you during this crisis, so be sure to subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and I know Spotify already reported earnings, and they're seeing a big uptick of people subscribing over there and podcasts downloads are growing. So I know a lot of you are over there. You can get us over there on Spotify. We're also on SoundCloud, the old mainstay. That's easy to subscribe, but be sure to get us somewhere because I don't want to hear complaints about where the next episode is. You can get it automatically if you subscribe. So please do. And I'll be back again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identify described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.